0: From Barangaroo Studios, the Ausbiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello there. It is the 14th of July. I'm Nadine Blaney. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance and startups. And I'm here with... drumroll... David Scott, Scuddy, how was your day?
1: It's good to be back. The team is back together, and uh, I know we've got a professional running the show now, so it's fantastic.
0: <laughs> hey, listen, let's talk markets first, because when I was last on air, I thought it was going to be another photo finish, potentially even negative for the local share market, but it appears as if you brought a bit of uh, good luck to it at the end, the XJO closing up by three tenths of a percent.
1: Yes, yeah, it's my sparkling smile I <laughs> uh, got everyone involved, and uh, no, there was a bit of, uh, bit of buying uh, going on, particularly some of those quality names out there. Uh, good balance sheets, so the bigger, bigger companies in uh, in each sector, with the exception of uh, the, the uh, technology sector, uh-huh. generally doing pretty well today. So that was noticeable.
0: Look, uh, a lot of the tech selling came through in those buy now, pay later names. So we're looking at you, Afterpay. We're looking at you, Zip, PayPal, launching its BNPL product in Australia. But I think more significantly, talk that Apple is getting into the buy now, pay later space in the United States. And that's a firm, you know, really tank in the United States. So, uh, you know, it raises a question, which we've been talking about forever, about competition in the space. There is likely not enough room for all players. I did an interview. I spoke with um, Montaka today, Mm. just saying, look, it should come as no surprise that the big boys are pushing into this space. And they don't need to buy an afterpay. They, they they can develop that tech on their own quite cheaply.
1: Yeah. There's no moat. We've discussed that at length, particularly me, on this program. And uh yeah, we've you've got companies that already have massive scale and you have companies that have massive amounts of infrastructure and can go and build these things and roll them out very, very aggressively and do them far cheaper. Economies of scale are already there. Um each of their own. Uh, I went and asked Jeremy Hook from TMS Capital uh, into the close today. But of course, it's brought to us by markets.com. dot com. And uh, I asked him, you know, is it, a, is it is it time to go run for the hills? Because for me, but you no, know, looking at the, the, what's going to happen with margins, competition in that space, that key U.S. market that is supposed to be the absolute lucrative uh, a no, gold mine uh it's suddenly looking a little bit less uh less what did he say he said well that's probably like no, an idea because not and create he's not so worried about afterpay uh but he said that uh, the next stack lower so i gather he's referring to zip and then some of those other names down I uh, said, so like, maybe they've just got to go and, and bite the bullet and start to go and amalgamate, emerge if they want to go and actually have that scale, uh, immediate scale, and, uh, and not just get bled. And he said that's potentially an opportunity, but uh, he said that uh, it might be for nothing because when you talk about a company like Apple, like, hello, Apple, it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it, it gets involved, it's got the payments technology, mm-hmm. yeah, it uh, could be... We knew it was coming. I didn't think Apple would be uh, would be so aggressive to go moving. We'll see what's actually where it comes out.
0: Yeah, yeah, because that is not uh, totally 100%. But uh, I would but
1: I would be very concerned if I was holding the companies, given where the valuations sit in some of those names. Where
0: there's smoke, there's fire. Zip was down by close to 12%. Afterpay off by 10%. Listen, we've got a little bit of a uh, BNPL theme happening tomorrow morning in the 10 a.m. We'll be discussing some of these themes. We're talking with the head of PayPal in Australia. We're talking with Mark Kennis from Stocks Down Under in the 10 o'clock, and Rebecca Jane from Hum will be joining us because Hum did uh, come out today with some news about uh, uh, being able to be used in New Zealand for big purchases and an association with Westpac NZ.
1: Yeah, you got caught up in the selling as well, so there was no no, stone yeah, no place to hide. To,
0: yeah. uh, look, I can tell you uh, Daly and Coke uh, contract rose 3% to its highest since July the 8th. Uh, the the metals and mining space was a bit mixed today. I mean, BHP pushed higher. Rio was down. Fortescue finishing the day flat.
1: Yeah, Dalian Iron Ore was up and then it gave back most of its gains. So it's uh, notice hovering, keeps running into resistance for the technicians out there at about uh, 12.41 a ton. Uh, interesting that's going to happen tomorrow. So we get the GDP figures out from China. I've written about this before in one of my views. Ignore the GDP figures. It makes for a lot of headlines, but it's really the monthly activity indicators that will be the key ones to go and watch. So fixed asset investment, industrial production, they'll be the two which will give an indication of that industrial side, including commodity demand. We saw that in the trade data, there was definitely a noticeable slowing Uh, of iron ore imports into Mm -hmm. China. Now, is that being reflected by slower Chinese steel production?
0: Look, there was a bit of concern as well, uh, oil imports into China in the wake of that trade data yesterday. So lots that's live in the China discussion. We've got a a number of really great interviews we've done lately on osbiz.com.au about uh, China and what it means for investors. I mean, it's great for us to talk about these uh, economic reads, but I- there is a direct line to Australian investors. I mean, just look at the composition of our local market. Now, gold miners did well today. No big surprise in the wake of that inflation read, gold price. But I think it's interesting that that the gold price did fail to test that 200-day moving average. On um, yeah, I guess increasing chatter about the Fed and its exit strategy, and of course, if gold is the preferred hedge against inflation. We will see. Um, we've got. We don't need to go over the inflation data again right now, Scotty. But we've got Fed Chair Jay Powell. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting if he gets any pointed questions on inflation and how he responds. But you've got to imagine he's not going to be. He's not going to be changing the tune dramatically, at least. I mean, that is 100% ironclad, guaranteed.
1: Yeah. To be honest, uh, and I was. Wrapping up the show today, I'm, I'm not interested in j I find j boring now. It's uh, We saw the inflation figures. We know how hot they were. It's looking less transitory by the day. We haven't even got the housing components kicking in uh, there, but uh, the same old, as you suggest, will be the case. I'm much more uh, interested in your neck of the woods. Old neck of the woods. Because bank of Canada, the Canada the that bank, tonight. Because in light of what we saw with the RBNZ today, now anyone who wasn't aware and hasn't seen the uh, the news, uh, they're halting. That's QE program. Uh, that will be in less than two weeks' time. And then uh, two of the biggest banks in New Zealand, ANZ and ASB Bank, are both predicting the cash rate will be lifted in August this year. So we're talking six weeks away. The uh, uh, Bank of Canada has been pretty aggressive in unwinding its, uh, its stimulus measures too. QE is being paid back. So, I'll be very interested to see what's going on there because uh, it's not so much the Fed. When you start seeing central bank divergence, that's when the volatility starts.
0: And that is where the opportunities lie. That is where some of the – I mean, I, I don't say excitement being flippant about it, but long periods with a distinct lack of volatility – you know, really, um, you know, really aren't great for anyone.
1: Yeah. And uh, look, with the Fed, I, I hope the Fed starts looking at what other central banks are doing as well. Now, of course, it's got its own mandates and everything else. But uh, one thing that it needs to do, it keeps the, the yield curve keeps flattening uh, when you get these hot numbers because the markets are bringing forward expectations that they're going to start hiking interest rates. Uh, you know, Guys and girls on that FOMC committee just uh, start to unwinding some of that QE and then uh, pledge to go and keep the uh, overnight uh, no rates extremely low for a long period of time and then see what happens and well, that, that will give a better signal to the market than what they're currently doing
0: look um mark todd pointed out to me today he's from the bank of china that interview is up online as well saying look you can't expect normal reactions in abnormal times we weren't directly talking about the fed but i do remember and this is one thing that um i think came is coming home to roost obviously in sydney with that lockdown being extended by a further two weeks today, is that we are still in unprecedented times in terms of COVID. Like Clarida, when I had the chance to speak with him last time, and many, I mean, I could give you a list those as long as my hand, Stephen Helmerich at CBA, Justin Wolfers, who's an international economist that happens to be here. I mean, they all still say, when you say, what is the biggest risk? All of them for months have still been saying COVID and the health outcomes. Yeah. So until, you know, until not only we get I mean, we talk about Australia, getting Australia vaccinated. Yes, we need that to happen. But until we get developing countries vaccinated, until this whole world is uh, looking a little bit more promising on that front and we can keep other variants at bay, that's the X factor in all of this.
1: Oh yeah, it's uh, I I don't disagree. Uh, it's clearly one of the major factors out there at the moment. We do know that viruses tend to evolve; that they become much more transmissible and generally less deadly because they want to go and infect as many people as possible. But uh, that is one thing that you no, know, hopefully over time it might go and uh, and play out. So I don't mind no uh, if it's a little bit less uh, virulent uh, than what it is right now would be helpful. But uh, it, one of the best indicators at the moment, and uh, I I hope that I hope it goes well for everyone over there. But the United Kingdom is uh, to me. Uh, it was initially Israel to me that's the place to go watch but the United Kingdom now given the uh, the levels of restrictions that have been coming off and the mm-hmm. level of, uh, of vaccinations what happens there now over the next three or four months and that summer months is going to be so informative for the rest of the world
0: yeah well it's it's they are seeing case counts rise but it is in the words of Sarah Hunter from BIS Oxford Economics who I spoke with yesterday it's that they've broken that the really hard link between getting COVID and hospitalizations. That is yeah. what needs to be broken. And they seem to be doing that, well, not perfectly, but this te- this is the test that's coming up in Britain.
1: Yeah, when you talk about herd immunity, it is going to be, it is the petri dish right there and then. And yeah, and,
0: and, and there's so many who have been already been exposed to COVID as well. Yeah. I mean, if you talk to the Brits, like everybody knows somebody who's had COVID. Mm. Like we forget that. Yeah. I think being here as well. And that's where we're also more vulnerable because we don't have those sort of antibodies at, uh, Critical mass. Anyways, um, well I'm some not some a scientist. This. Some this. <laughs> uh, but look, uh, I think it's worthwhile mentioning as well. Just about 10 minutes before the market closed, we did see Spark Infrastructure go into a trading halt. That was after market talk that there could potentially be an offer on the table for the company. Its shares rose by, I think it was more than 8.3% uh, into the close. So apparently, this M&A trend in Australia, not not uh, getting any cold water throwing on it and that infrastructure space in particular looking pretty hot. So I'm really keen uh, to find out what happens on that front tomorrow.
1: Yeah, this seems to be an ongoing story. I'm trying to think where, where we sit in the cycle. Is it mid or late cycle? I think the fact that it's a lot of it has been done with, uh, with cash and uh, maybe a little bit of debt tells me it's probably more likely mid-cycle. When I start seeing some of those M&A deals where it's like, oh, we're going to try and absorb this uh, company by issuing a whole bunch of shares, then uh, I'll be getting my tin hat on.
0: Well, and also I think that it just as well speaks to some of those big massive investors, the pension funds, the superannuation funds, that they're, they're, they are happy to get, uh, you know, returns over the long term. Over, I, su- I suppose, some of the the potential volatility that's to come.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of this infrastructure is the new bonds because we talk about, uh, no fixed interest, and of course, you no know, some of the bond bulls were are going to tell me we're well, like, you no know, the uh, the amount that's rallied over the past four decades has made people, billionaires, and everything else. But uh, there is a lot of risk, particularly duration risk, at the moment, given what we're looking at around the world with debt issuance and the likes. So I think I, I kind of understand why people are looking to maybe go uh know slightly up that risk spectrum to things that provide a good income but maybe not necessarily have the same characteristics yep. as bonds.
0: Okay, listen, I, There was a, there's a lot of fixed income and bond content on the website right now as well, I should say. Uh, Luke Winchester is one of the interviews that you can link to via the show notes. He weighs in on Macquarie Telecom, which hit an all-time high today. It's going to be pumping money into a New Data Centre in one of the Sydney suburbs that um, – that I know quite well used to work in Macquarie Park anyhow. uh, So yeah check out the show notes for any of those interviews you'd like to watch and if we have been keeping you hanging for the life changing stocks of the day it was my plan all along. Uh, So Kashi as you know has been doing this series that's called life changing stocks. So these are long-term holds that could you know really change the course of your of your returns. And so today he spoke with Henry Jennings from Marcus Today and Andrew Veitland from DP Wealth Advisory. An Archer at a $200 million market cap is one of those stocks that could easily be a billion dollar market cap given the opportunity if their uh, chip, if their qubit chip does actually work. I, mean, I think, you know, you're never going to change your life with CSL now. It's never going to be a, you know, a trillion-dollar company. Whereas Archer, if, if this works, it could be two, three, four, five billion-dollar company. Yep. Could yep. be. It's it's
1: it's a long way to go, but yep. uh, interesting. It's, it's certainly been a good start. What Qual does is it basically chooses the top 300 around 300 companies around the world that have. Um, success factors about it. So what I mean by that is it's got strong return, companies that have strong return on equity, companies that are stable to increasing earnings and companies that have falling levels of debt. So it's doing better than the benchmark. I've got 300 companies in there. I'm not choosing one and I'm staying true to sort of my training 25 years ago.
0: So there you go, Archer Materials AxE and the Venex Vectors MSCI World X Australian Quality ETF, also known as QUAL.
1: Archer Materials, there it is again. I know. I I must admit, when I was interviewing the uh, the MD yesterday on the program, it's it's like double Dutch. Yeah, <laughs> no, like I agree. The technology that's out there at the moment. Uh, no, I'm decent with mathematics and uh, just this like uh, next level and then beyond. But uh if it's quantum computing and uh and they get it right and of course there's others out there that are developing it, but uh anyone who gets that right and the uh the, p- the processing power that they possess uh will be a very valuable asset if you've got that proprietary uh information.
0: It would be. It's a race, I suppose. Or from a little explorer,
1: a mineral explorer uh, back know. in the day. It's
0: really incredible. Uh, Life changing right. in many ways. Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, RBNZ today, BOC tonight, Fed Show J Powell tonight. Uh, tomorrow we get jobs here in Australia, but this this potty's going on a bit longer. Are we just really happy to see each other or something? I don't know.
1: <laughs> just good. Not what I should do elsewhere at the moment. Yeah, so what did you get up to? Oh, I went home and yeah, sat on the couch. No, yeah. Exactly. Help the kids go do their homework. <laughs>
0: Uh, I think I'm avoiding. I'm not going to say it. No. Um, <laughs> it's uh, It's been a good day. Look, uh, just to reiterate in case uh, you forget, we saw the XJO rising about three-tenths of 1%, finishing at 7,355. Five, let's call it that, up 23 points. Oceana Gold, I can see, out with some news after the market close. And uh, also CIMIT Group as well winning another contract. So we will get you across all of those details bright and early tomorrow morning we're live on ausbiz.com.au from 8 30
1: i'm looking forward to it already some excitement <laughs> see you then Bye. when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer